I have this poem. It's called Don't Mind Me. Someone say, Don't Mind Me. It says, Don't mind that when I'm alone, I have some secret sin. Don't mind my lust, impurities, wickedness, and perversion. Don't mind my sinful nature. I don't expect to change right away. Don't mind the garbage and filth that I let into my brain. It doesn't affect my ways. Don't mind the pornography, the Drake, or the Little Wayne. It's not as vulgar as they say. Don't mind the movies that I watch. I'm almost at that certain age. All my friends had sex already. If I say or stay a virgin, I know they'll call me names. Don't mind me when I try it once. God might protect me from the AIDS. Don't mind if I sip the cup or hit the blunt. It's bound to happen anyway. Don't mind when I come to church, I leave worse than when I came at first. Don't mind my hurt or why it hurts when I rehearse thoughts about my broken home. Don't mind my suicidal thoughts cutting deep towards my carpal bones. Don't mind these things that I felt, that I did, that I dwell. I could be a friend of yours, but don't mind me because I won't tell. And I thank God, first of all, for my salvation because I was sitting in the back at a young age not thinking that God had a calling on my life or that God loved me or, or, or really there was a lack of a lot in my life. And I thank God for, for this ministry, Victory Outreach. I thank God for, you know what, him saving my parents, my dad, my, my mom, you know, my, my brother, my sister. I'm sure we can all say, you know what, God has blessed us, man, with this beautiful ministry. I also thank God for Pastor Stevon, Sister Chella, for the leadership, you know, for this awesome uh, time to speak because I know that I shouldn't be up here. I shouldn't be up here. I, I shouldn't even be speaking because when I was sitting in the back at, at a young age, maybe 12, 13 years old, I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I considered you a friend if you came up to me because that's what was supposed to happen. If you, were, if, 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 if you came up to me, then you were worth, you know, like being my friend because I wasn't going to go up to you. But when God does something inside of your heart, when God did something inside of my life, I knew that I had to change. I wasn't a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I, I never was locked up. That wasn't me, but all I know is I was lost, and God found me. I was blind, and now I see, right? And I thank God for, you know what, what he's doing within the gang. Is the gang still in the house? I thank God, you know what, for what he's doing, even, you know, putting on their hearts. You know, some of them want to go to the urban training center. I thank God for, you know what, things like winter retreat coming up real soon, you know, where we are able to connect with God, separate right there on that mountaintop, begin to give God our all away from distractions. I thank God for the people that gave, even when I went to the UTC, sponsored me. I could say, you know what, there's a lot of things that I'm thankful for. Thanksgiving just passed. Christmas is coming up. But there's a dying generation, I know, you know what, if I just keep focusing on myself, if we just keep focusing on ourselves, there's going to be a dying generation going to hell. There's a dying generation that is searching for a vaccine. They're searching for an answer, and a generation, you know what, there's this generation have been plagued with a, a disease called sin. How many know we were born into this world? We were born into sin. Someone say Sin. We were born into it. In Romans 5, 12, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it says, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. But I have news for you. Someone say, I have news for you. 
The last Adam, a life-giving spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ is the last Adam and the second man. He is the last man to be without a sin nature. His nature was both human and divine. He was the second man, the man from heaven. As the God-man, he could bring, you know what, a suitable sacrifice for the sins of this world. His name is Jesus. Someone say Jesus. Someone once said, having the gospel and not preaching it is like keeping a vaccine to yourself when you know it can very well be the cure for cancer. In 2010, I had it on my heart to go to the UTC. I was like, I'm going. I got a job at Target. Started at 4 in the morning, part-time. I'm loving it. Bought a few shoes, saved the rest. And right there, you know what, at the UTC, I begin to develop a love for God. I begin to trust in God, have faith in God. I begin to, you know what, go through things. Because when you're not serving God, you go through things. But when you got God, it's like you know what's right. You know you can turn to him. You know you can trust him. You know you can delight in him, and he will give the desires of your hearts. So that's what he says in the word of God. He will give you the desires of your hearts. And right there where I was desiring to go to the UTC, all of a sudden, we find out that my mom, she has cancer. And I'm like, man, I'm here working. I'm trying to save up my monies, you know, believe in God. And then we find out that my mom has cancer. And, you know, I didn't even know that about Sally. But um, my mom had cancer. I was in, I was in her, her room in the hospital and she encouraged me. And she says, you know what? Don't give up hope. Just because I'm sick, have faith. As she's sick on her bed, and I'm the one bawling. <laughs> but mom. <laughs> but God was doing something inside of me, and he was getting me ready. And when I finally got the money to go, I went. And my mom, you know, she's still here today. Man, give God a hand for that. And I'm going to kind of fast forward to what God did when I was about to leave the UTC. And Pastor Stevon and Sister Chella, they were my directors there at the West Coast Urban Training Center. And Pastor Stevon pushed me a lot. I hated coming on stage and rapping because I always messed up. <laughs> but... The last chapel, we were there at the altar. I remember it was the ones that were getting ready to leave. We were getting ready to go home. We were packed up. You know, we had our everything set. But at the last chapel, we were there at the altar. And Pastor Stavon was getting ready. You know, when you go home, don't be someone who goes and, and goes back to your mom's house and begins to eat cereal and watch cartoons. Don't be that person. I'm not going to lie. I went to my mom's, though, and ate some cereal. But God does some things in your life. But back to where I was going. We were there at the altar, and, you know, we had our hands lifted, and God was moving, and God was breaking us. And he began to go one by one. He began to ask us, what do you feel called to do? I feel called to, you know, go. I feel called to do this, to take a city. Where do you feel called to go? Oh, man, I'm going to take Russia for Jesus. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. What are you going to do? Man, I'm going to take my city. I'm on, you know, I know that. I'm going to do big things. And what are you? And then he got to me, what are you going to do? I'm the only one there from, from Hayward. And I'm like, 
I don't know. And I was kind of discouraged, like, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't hear from God, like, you know, if there was a city on my heart, there's not, like, I don't have, it's not clear, I don't know. And he said, you know what, do you feel called just to build? I said, yeah. He said, amen. And that's what I've been doing. And I know that one day I might go, I may go, I have a heart, you know what, for people. How many know that God's heart is people? But that was something that I wanted to share that, you know what, if you've got a promise from God, if there was, if there was a time where you were here broken out the altar and you know that you're called by God, don't give up on that calling. Don't give up on that promise. Someone say, look to your neighbor, don't give up on that promise. Someone once said, if your gospel is not touching others, then it hasn't really touched you. Have you ever won a soul for Jesus? If you haven't, you will. And if you have, when's the last time you did? I'm speaking to myself. Our priority should be bringing the truth, someone say truth, to everyone. Then Jesus does the changing. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear with someone without someone preaching to them. When's the last time you won a soul? When's the last time you told somebody about God, about his miracle-changing power, about what God can do within their life? An ancient story recalls how Satan once summoned his top three helpers. Someone say top three. He summoned his top three helpers to plan how to stop a group of dedicated Christians from effective evangelism. One of the helpers named Deceit said to Satan, we should convince them that there is no God. Satan sneered at Deceit and replied, that would never work. They know that there is a God. Another one of Satan's helpers named Bitterness spoke up, well, we'll convince them that God does not really care about right or wrong. Satan toyed with the idea for a few moments, but rejected it. Because he knew that too many Christians know that God does care. Malice, the third satanic helper, came up with this idea. We'll let them going on, we'll let them go on thinking that there is a God and that he does care about right and wrong, but we'll keep on whispering in their ears that there is no hurry. There's no hurry. Satan howled with glee. He advanced malice higher in rank. Satan knew that he would find this strategy, this strategy successful with many, many Christians. And I want to ask you, are you in a hurry to reach your family? Are you in a hurry to reach your job, that workplace, maybe your school, maybe you're in college? There's two types of goes. Someone say go. You could either go across to another country, overseas, or go could just mean getting up out of our seat, going to our mission field, which is our school, which is your workplace, where people don't know the love of God. If you could turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, verse 39.
Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And this is when Jesus goes to pray. And it says this, it says, He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup, someone say cup. Someone say cup. My first point for that C within that cup is committed. The C stands for committed. If you're taking notes, that's the first point. Jesus was committed. Jesus was committed to his father's will. Jesus already knew he was going to suffer even before his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane because right there in chapter 20 of Matthew, in verse 22, it says, but Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. You are able, are you able to drink from the bitter cup? There's that word again. There's that cup again. There's that commitment again. I believe he was saying, you know what, not just are you able to drink from this cup, but are you able to be committed? Are you able to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Because he already knew that he was going to drink it. And they say, yes, yes, you know, you ever remember, I'm going to do anything anything for God. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do anything for God. I'm going to say yes, right? And they said, yes, we are able. And Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from this bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Committed. Someone say committed. And I believe the first point is hearts. God is looking for committed hearts. Someone once said, God not only wants your whole heart, but he wants your heart whole. And if you came into this place with a broken heart, I believe that God is able to restore you. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22 this is a, a, a very popular scripture. After removing Saul, he made king, or he made David their king. It says, God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. And I looked before, you know, it said, you know, I have found David, son of Jesse. And it says that God testified concerning him. If God right now was to say, I'm going to testify about you, what would God say? If God said, you know what, I'm going to testify about Mike. I'm going to testify about Sally. I'm going to testify about Eric. What do you think God would say? God is looking for hearts. Someone say hearts. Second, God is looking for heads. God is looking for minds. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind, control your mind leads to life and peace. God is looking for people that are letting that would let the that let the Holy Spirit control our minds. The third thing is hands. Someone say hands. People will see what is in your heart and your head when they see where you put your hands. So whatever you have your hands to the plow to, that's what we're gonna know is most important to you. Do you have committed hands that serve 
Do you have committed hands that reach? Do you have committed hands that pray for others? Do you have committed hands that put people first? Do you have committed hands that give? Someone say give. So God is looking for commitment. My second point, which is the you within cup, is urgency. Someone say urgency. Urgency means importance requiring swift action or an earnest and persistent quality, insistence. And I believe that Jesus worked urgently, that every time he was with his disciples, he took advantage of it because he knew that it was time was coming, as it said in the word of God. He only had three years of ministry. But because of the way that he led and the way that he discipled, they were able to take over the world. And that reminds me of a cartoon. I remember watching Peaky and the Brain. <laughs> what are we going to do today? We're going to take over the world. And I believe that Victory Outreach, we've been called to take over the world. I believe that God's anointed now generation, you know what, we've been called to take over the world. We've been called to go. We've been called, you know, to reach our generation. Someone say Amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, you don't have to turn there, but it says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Look to your neighbor say, why should we be urgent? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, 36, it says, But about that day or hour, no one even knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Not even the Son knows that day or hour. That's why we should be urgent. Look to the other person next to you. Why should we be urgent? In 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 2, it says, It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. I believe that we should live in urgency. And just thinking about that story about, you know what, the devil has so many demons trying to distract us, you know, to put our minds or to, to, to put our attention on something else. Has anybody ever been distracted? Right? But I believe that God, he's going to place an urgency inside of us, and that happens when you begin to draw near to God, when you begin to be broken for the things of God, when you begin to develop a compassion for God. And that's my next point is passion. Someone say passion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When you find out the passion of Christ, you will develop a passion for Christ. Let me say that again. When you find out the passion of Christ, you will develop a passion for Christ. When you develop a passion for Christ, you take on what Christ is passionate towards. And Christ is passionate for people. Passion in the Greek I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but I'm going to try is pathema. 
which means suffering. Has anybody ever seen that movie, Passion of the Christ, right? So if you fill in that, that word passion with suffering, it's pretty clear suffering of the Christ. Suffering of Jesus Christ, that he was willing to go, you know, and sacrifice himself on that cross. He suffered on that cross, but he was obedient to his father's will, and he knew his death would save many. Jesus was also a man. He felt. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He weeped. He was angry. He felt rejected. He suffered pain. He suffered sorrow. The people that were most close to him, that were the closest to him, rejected him, denied him three times. I have this other message. It's called Follow the Leader, and it's about Peter. And it talks about how Peter followed at a distance. When Jesus was, was taken away and he was going to be crucified, Jesus was, or, or excuse me, Peter was still following him but he was following him at a distance. And I always have to ask myself, am I really close to Jesus or, or today, you know what, am I following Christ at a distance? Maybe some of us need to ask that question. He felt pain on his back as the Roman soldiers delivered the 39 blows to his body. He felt the blows of the nails being driven into his hands and into his feet. If we have lost passion, we can definitely regain our passion. Or if we have placed our passion and, and focused on something else, maybe we just need a shift. Maybe we just need a focus where, you know what, because Christ is passionate for his people. Christ is passionate for the heart. Christ is passionate for Hayward. Christ is passionate about that person. You know what? They're not going to have a family to go to, you know what, when Christmas comes. They might not have, you know, a presence underneath their tree. I know we just had the great banquet, and I thank God, you know what, for our pastor, you know what, doing all these things. and You know, God leading him and really, you know what, being the light to our community. Because if we don't do it, who will? I thank God, you know, for, for, for times like shotgun. How many were blessed, like, to see 1,200 people pack out that, that, that facility and to see that altar packed and see fruit, you know what, still coming in? I'm sure a lot of us had passion during shotgun. Yes, 1,200 souls. This altar, I'm about to pray for every single head here. I was like that. I'm like, I'm about to pray for egg people. And then I'm walking down the street. I'm like, I can't even stop to pray for this guy laying down. I'm just being real. I'm just being transparent. I'm just being open. Passion. Someone say passion. It's not just about starting but continuing to have passion. The reality of hell should make us have passion to win more souls. And as the, the worship team makes their way up. So we talked about commitment. We talked about urgency. We talked about passion.
And if you can ask yourself this, would I drink from that cup? If God was right here, and God is here, but if God was to say, was to testify about you, about me, what would he say? And I want to share a story as they make their way up. Me and Alex Navarro, the one who picked up offerings so mightily, we were on our way to San Francisco, um, and it was around the time where we were having uh, Willie G. And me and Alex, you know, we, uh, we hopped on BART. It was just us two. We are like, two-man army. We're about to save some souls in the mission. Because Alex is from the mission, you know, and, and he has a heart for the people there. I was like, let's just go do it. I, I ain't tripping. Let's go. But before we hopped on BART, we walked up to these three young men, and we walked up, and we handed them a flyer, and one of them looks at me and says, you gave me a flyer like last month. I was like, oh, yeah. And then the, the, the guy next to him was like, hey, you were at my school. I go to Hayward High. I was like, oh, yeah. And then the next guy, he was like, you invited me to church. I came with my friend. You remember Stoney? I was like, oh, yeah. These three young men, 19, 17 years old, 21, around my age, they were smoking, they were drinking, but I knew that God had set them up. And I knew that God, you know what, he was planning that all along, that I would meet this kid at Hayward High School, and I would pray for him. I would say, you know what, God loves you. And he knew that I'd be, you know what, talking to this other guy as he would walk in, you know, into our church. He came a few times with his skateboard. We invited him to life group. And the last guy, I ran into him at this gas station down the street on A Street. He had his baby in the car. He was bumping music like, man, your baby's ears are going to explode, dude. But he was pumping gas, and he was like, man, it's crazy that you gave me this flyer. Let me remind you, this is before I met up with all three of them. And he says, man, I just got out. Like, you know, I, I, I got my baby, and I don't know what to do. I was like, let me pray for you. My church is right here. You see the yellow cross? And I prayed for all three of them, totally different days. And they were right there at the BART station not knowing that God had just put them up in a, a Holy Ghost setup. And I said, listen, guys, you're not going to believe what just happened or what is happening right now. This is crazy. God set you guys up. And I want to tell you guys, each and every one of you, and if I could remember the, their names, I, I, I would, but I don't remember their names, to be honest. But I said, man, God has a calling for you. God loves you. You know what? God, is, God sets, sets us up even when we don't think he's there. God is for real. God loves you. God has passion for you. And I'll be honest, I haven't seen them after that, but I, 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 they're in my prayers. I believe I'm going to run into them again. They're, they're not far. And as we stand, I believe that there's a Holy Ghost set up tonight. 
That if you've been longing, you know what, to be set up by God, God, God tries every single moment. God try, you know what, God puts, you know, things in our way to show us, man, I am the creator. Do you see these birds that fly over? You know what, they, I made them. Do you see these trees? Do you see creation? I, I am the God. You know, I am alpha. I am omega, the beginning and the end. I love you. I created you in my image. I breathed into your nostrils. And maybe we've been lacking a little commitment. And maybe that scares us is commitment. Maybe we think we have to speak in front of hundreds and thousands of people if we just step out. No. God is, God wants to put somebody in your way. Maybe that one person, maybe at your workplace, maybe, you know, there at your school. Maybe we haven't been living a life that is urgent. Maybe everything seemed to, I know as the holidays are here, it slows down. And we speed up in buying things. <laughs> Maybe we've had a lack of passion or placed our passion somewhere else. And if these things, you know what, have touched you in any way or God is ministering and God is, God is here, you know, tonight, I believe God wants to speak. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And no one looking around, I, I, I just want to pray for, for the church, pray for the body, because you know what, God, he knows what you need. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and I pray, Father, for every person here, God. Lord, I pray for every family here, God. Lord, I pray for every marriage here, God. Lord, I pray for every young person here, God. Lord, Father, whether the age, God, is young, Father, or old, God. Lord, Father, our background is, Father, crazy, or Father, we've been in the church our whole life, God. I pray, Lord, as Father, the gang has come together, and Lord, we've been, Father, doing one thing and wanting to accomplish one thing, Father, is, Father, to glorify your name, God, and to see, Lord, our city one for your honor and your glory, God. I pray, Lord, that, Father, there will be an army that would rise up, not just in the young people, God, but in the men's home, future pastors, missionaries, God, evangelists, God. Lord, for that future women's home, God. Lord, that you will place, Father, on someone's heart, God, to, Lord, lead it, God. Lord, for, Father, the discipleship's homes, God, the discipleship homes, God. Lord, that, Father, there will be, Father, desire to grow, God, to have commitment, God. Lord, to, Father, have passion, God. Lord, to live a life of urgency, God. Lord, I pray, God, Lord, Father, for those that are, Father, in ministry, God. For even those that have been thinking about, Father, jumping, Father, into ministry, that they would not fear, but they would begin to see, Lord, that it's a blessing, God, to do what you've called us to do, God. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you're doing. And with no one looking around, if this, if this message, I believe that God spoke, if this ministered to you in any way, I want to invite you to these altars, and I want to... I want to pray with you. I want you to begin to see, you know what, that the passion, you know, the fire, you know what, the, the, the power is right here at the altar. So if, the, if that's you, I want you to begin, you know what, to make your way, not looking around or at who's coming up, but, but looking at our hearts. Where are our hands at? Where are our minds at? And as they begin to sing this song, I want you to focus on the Lord. Begin to pray, begin to ask God, God.